Hey, do you know your customer's job to be done? Job to be done. It's a concept developed by Clay Christensen around finding out what your customer actually needs to have done. Jay Haynes, he's the CEO of Thrive.com. He stopped by the podcast and he explains exactly what jobs to be done is and how you can maximize your revenues, maximize your cash from knowing exactly how to find out the job to be done and produce product to it. Take a look at this. Welcome to Sastery in the Making, the podcast that features the people who made the software world what it is today and the leaders who are shaping the future of technology. Here's your host, Matt Wallach. Welcome. This is Sastery in the Making. Welcome, welcome. I'm excited to have you here. This is Matt Wallach. I am your host, and I am delighted to be joined today by my special guest, Jay Haynes. Jay, how are you doing? Good. Great to be here, Matt. Thanks. Absolutely. Great to have you. Let me tell everybody about you, Jay. Jay is the founder and CEO of Thrive.com. That's T-H-R-V.com, Thrive.com. It's the first and only jobs-to-be-done software. We're going to talk about jobs-to-be-done, JTBD. Easy for me to say, right? Uh, but it's <laughs> for marketing and sales and product teams. Their customers include eBay and Twitter and American Express, Oracle, Target, and Viacom. Lots of great signature customers under their belt. He's an award-winning executive with three decades of experience, and he really is a jobs-to-be-done innovation thought leader. So I'm really delighted to have him on the show. Once again, Jay, thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me. Great to be here. Absolutely. So tell me, what's going on with you lately with Thrive.com and what's coming up? Yeah, so we are focused on helping companies adopt this method known as Jobs to Be Done. Um, and your listeners may or may not be aware of it. It was uh, popularized by Clay Christensen at Harvard Business School. Um, and the idea is really deceptively simple. It's that your customers are actually not buying your products. What they're doing is hiring them to get a job done. Um, and that's very strange concept for product marketing and sales teams because product teams are usually building products. They love their products and sales teams are selling products. That's what they generate revenue on. But the reason the idea is so deceptively simple is a job to be done is basically a customer goal that they're trying to achieve independent of any product. And that's what's really, really powerful about the insights is that what a market actually is, whether you're building a product or selling a product, the market you're actually in is your customer's job. It's not your product. And there's so many great examples that demonstrate this throughout history. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm old enough that I, I used to have eight tracks and then I had records and cassettes and then CDs and then iPods and now streaming, right? I never owned reel-to-reel -reel tape, so I'm not that old. But Okay, good. <laughs> you, but, the, but the example there is meaningful because um, if you look at the markets and you define them from your product point of view, not your customer's job, you're going to be headed down the wrong path. And Microsoft, of course, famously made this mistake with the Zune. I don't know if you mm. owned a Zune, Matt, uh, but nope, very few people did. It was an incredibly, <laughs> uh, you know, large failure. They lost three hundred million dollars in one quarter on the Zune, just to give you the Oof. order of magnitude. But what they did was very traditional. They looked at the iPod market, the supposed iPod market, and said, "Hey, you know what? Uh, Apple sold two hundred million of these things at one hundred and fifty bucks a pop. That's a thirty billion dollar market. That's a big market, even for Microsoft." Yeah. So they said, well, let's build a competitor and we've got a billion customers on our Windows platform. So we'll sell a few of these you know, iPod competitors. 
and take some share. We should be able to get 10% share. That's $3 billion in revenue, right? So, of course, it was a huge failure. Um, and the Zoom actually worked well. Ironically, it had had a podcasting feature built into it. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Uh, and the the mistake was not understanding the customer's job, not understanding why people were using iPods. And in that case, of course, the job is to create a mood with music. And people have been creating a mood with music since you know the beginning of time. Uh, and what changes is the products and technologies and services. And that's where companies can really get much better market customer and competitor insights by doing all this work through the lens of your customer's job. And if Microsoft had done this, they would have said, hey, wait a second, you know, this other thing that's emerging, 3G and this fast internet thing, why don't we build a service that just streams music instead of having a hardware product? And of course, that's what exactly companies like Pandora and Spotify did. And right when the Zune launched, Pandora was signing up 90,000 people a day. So there, was, wow. there were growth opportunities in that market. And you may remember, it took Apple 10 years to catch up to streaming services. Uh, Apple Music didn't launch until 10 years after you know Pandora and Spotify. Wow. So there was a huge market growth opportunity. It just, they didn't identify it because they didn't think about their customer's job. So I've read some of Christensen's stuff. That's really, it's super, super interesting. And one of the examples he gave me was McDonald's. And I know yep. we're straying away from uh, SaaS and software and stuff, but it's really interesting because McDonald's had found that they were selling a lot of milkshakes in the morning. And they were kind of surprised. And why are we selling milkshakes in the morning? It doesn't seem like a morning type of thing. And what it ended up being was people needed a quick way to get full on the way to work. And they just wanted something easy in the car that they could just, boom, just sip a milkshake. It's not my idea of a breakfast, but some, a lot of people <laughs> were getting milkshakes in the morning so that McDonald's kind of realized, and I'm sure you've seen this, Jay, that that was the job to be done of the milkshake was getting the person full in the morning. Yeah. And so it's really interesting stuff. Yeah, it's fascinating too. Uh, and in that case as well, one of the... Uh, benefits of a milkshake i don't think there's a lot of health benefits to it but it would last for your whole commute you may remember mm -hmm. one of they they discovered if you just had a drink you know you finish off a drink pretty quickly if it's just liquid but you literally cannot drink a milkshake that fast True. so they wanted something to help them relieve boredom and yeah that's that's really uh, that's the concept is true in any market whether it's a b2c market b2b market or medical markets too uh, because what you're trying to achieve as a human, the goals that you're trying to achieve, whether you're a parent, a driver, whether you're a CFO or a aircraft you know, mechanic or a cardiovascular surgeon, the goals that you need to achieve are stable, are very, very stable over time. Uh, and that is, that's the key benefit of the method. Look at the markets through the lens of your customer and the job they're trying to get done, not the latest technology. I mean, we work with a ton of SaaS companies that are really love to talk about their machine learning or their AI. I can mm -hmm. guarantee you one thing, no customer cares about machine learning or AI at all. It's not a nope. thing. No one has a problem that they wake up in the morning like, I need more machine learning. Now, they yeah. do have problems where machine learning can help them solve those problems. Correct. But you have to focus on those problems, not the technology or the, or the solution. So I deal with this every day. A lot of my clients, uh, I can see them kind of going off on the wrong path. And I kind of stop them and I say, hey, what are you selling? Oh, we're selling like this thing does this and this. No, 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 no. What are you selling? 
oh, it's, if, you, if you click it, it does. no, you're selling efficiency. You're selling more revenue. You're selling cost savings, whatever it is. You have to realize what it is. What's the job to be done? What do you end up selling? Uh, we just had a founders group meeting this morning. I have a group software founders come to me and they join this group of other software founders. We all kind of collaborate to solve each other's problems. Well, one of the uh, founders came with a problem that they, they, we were analyzing their discovery process, you know, the beginning of the call. And this is, it's so funny that this just happened this morning. We're talking about this right now with Jay Haynes from thrive.com. In their discovery process, they didn't have asking about appointment reminders. Do you use appointment reminders for your appointments? Do you use appointment reminders? Uh, the product that they had helped people, you know, get more, uh, appointments and, and that's not the job to be done. And so people were saying, Hey, you should ask them how they're, uh, or if they have appointment reminders now or about their appointment reminder system. And I said, no, 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 that's not the job to be done. The job to be done is more show ups on the appointments, fewer no shows. So you don't have to ask them, about do you have this? Do you have that? You ask them, hey, how's your no-shows? How's your show up rate? What's this? And then you can solve the problem. Yeah, that's great. And that's really the benefit of Jobs You Done is that if you really think through that, and you know, in that case, if the job is to acquire new customers, that's a really, really complex job. And what's interesting is Jobs You Done can help you understand and analyze and manage complexity because what your customers are trying to do is incredibly complex. Acquiring customers has you know, over 100 different customer needs in that job. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So when you're talking to your customers um, or when you're deciding what product strategy you should pursue or what you should put in your roadmap, the good thing is it coordinates all of those activities of your company from product marketing and sales. And the way it works, of course, is if you are a salesperson and you're talking to a customer, we always, when we work with sales teams, we always tell them this, don't talk about your product at all. The first meetings should be entirely cu customer empathy. What are Absolutely. they struggling with the most? And we we often use we train teams to use five whys, which you've probably done before. Which is you know if a if a customer says, "Oh, I'm really struggling with this widget," you know, you're like, "Okay, well, you have to ask why. What what are you trying to do with that widget? Like, it doesn't matter that the the widget is tough. It matters that you're not achieving your goal fast and accurately, like you said, Matt. I mean, it's got to be faster and more accurate to create any customer value. And yep. so that that's in the sales process, you can do that. But even in the innovation process, picking your product strategy and your product roadmap, we always like to joke that our competitive advantage is we have no ideas. We don't we don't have any ideas. Everybody who's an entrepreneur, everybody who you know wants to be the next Steve Jobs and think that their idea is the next iPhone. And we always say, well, no, don't really start with the idea. If you really empathize with your customer's problem and you know how they struggle, the ideas are going to be pretty easy to figure out. Mm -hmm. Um, because the hard part is actually in the complex world that we live in, finding where to focus for your customers. And you want to find that group of customers that have real headaches. They are pounding their head against the table with these problems. Because the other thing, product marketing sales teams, the mistake they make also is they, they solve problems that people don't really think are big problems. Right. And they think that, you know, the product team or the sales teams think is a huge problem, but your customers are like, ah, I got a thousand things to focus on. That's like number 812. Yeah. Right. And, <laughs> and so you want to be able to prioritize and say like, okay, we know we have a high probability of success if we target this, this set of struggles that our customers are dealing with. Yeah, absolutely. I completely agree with that. So jobs to be done software, that's what thrive.com is. Can you explain exactly 
what does jobs to be done software do for somebody? Yeah, that's great. So uh, there are a few things. One is jobs to be done. The method itself creates a lot of data and it's really valuable data that gives you insights into your customers first and foremost and your competitors and your market. Um, and the, the re reason it creates a lot of data is any job has a whole series of steps and a whole series of customer needs. Um, and we have examples of this that people can check out. So getting to a destination on time is a good example. You know, we all hire Apple and Google Maps to do that. <laughs> um, yep. uh, and I'm old enough, you know, I used to have like Thomas guides in Southern California and maps, like like literally physical maps. Oh, I had a whole know? atlas in my car yeah. <laughs> pocket behind the passenger seat. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, it's crazy. Then we then we switched to GPS devices, and now it's all apps on our phones. But yep. the job is still the same, and that job has 106 needs. So if you're really trying to figure out how to beat a big competitor like Apple and Google Maps, you need a lot of information about that job. You need all the needs, and then you can the quantitative data comes from surveys that enables you to then segment the market, and you might have 20 or 30 or uh, more segments that you are analyzing to figure out which is the biggest market opportunity. And you have data around willingness to pay to get the job done that lets you size the segments, et cetera. So that, that creates a lot of data. So the first thing our software does is help your team use that data. You know, looking at this stuff in another PowerPoint presentation or spreadsheet, we found that really doesn't help teams <laughs> because sure. who wants another PowerPoint presentation, right? Um, so, so the, 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 our software, first and foremost, lets you agree on that product strategy. It, it clearly says this data tells us this is where the largest number of customers who are willing to pay for a new solution are struggling the most. That's the key. Because then all the activities you do downstream from that, which are product road mapping, figuring out where to prioritize, what to focus on, assessing your risk of your product roadmap, and is your product roadmap going to turn into revenue? That's the, the software helps you do that as well. And most importantly, our software helps your teams agree on this stuff. Um, so it helps product marketing and sales teams get aligned with their customers. Because you you probably know, like we've seen this in a lot of companies, especially in big companies, the product team is building one thing, the sales team is selling something totally different. <laughs> for and, sure, for sure. And then, and then if you don't hit your revenue goals, that's where the sales team starts to blame the product team. The product team starts to say the sales team doesn't know how to sell, you know, and then you're just in this downward spiral. It gets spiral. nasty. Been there. It gets nasty. So our software helps those cross-functional teams actually agree on the customer's view of stuff, which is all that matters. Your customer is everything, right? So we put the customer front and center in your product strategy activities, your product road mapping, your marketing and messaging and positioning, and then ultimately your sales activities. And that's the goal to get really, really coordinated. And Clay Christensen, you know, wrote about this in Competing Against Luck. The last third of that book is about companies organizing themselves around their customers' jobs, not not around the way the company needs to operate. Because, of course, your customers don't care at all about how your company operates. They they care about their job. Yep, absolutely. So tell me, Thrive.com, how did you guys go about learning your customer and learning what the job to be done was for your market, for what you guys are doing? Yeah, that's great. Um, and that is a great question. We are building Thrive on Thrive, not surprisingly. Um, but I'll tell you kind of quick story how I came to this stuff. In my early career, I worked um, in the finance world buying companies. And one of the companies we bought uh, was Steinway & Sons, the piano company. And I like to say that Steinway is literally the least innovative company on the planet. They're selling the exact <laughs> same product they invented 150 years ago. 
And the way they sell it is we make it exactly like we made it 150 years ago. It's a piano. Yeah, it's a piano. Um, and so, but there's been enormous innovation in the music market. So I was always curious, like how how do we not generate growth through innovation? Because things are changing in the music market a lot. And um, and then I went back to business school, and that's where I met Clay and got to study with him, which was very nice. And I worked uh, at Microsoft as a product manager in the late 90s in the Windows Group when you know Microsoft was the dominant company in the world. And I figured they'd have these secret sauce and I could figure out how to innovate because Microsoft was so successful. And then I realized the kind of state of the art in the late 90s was not good. It was still product focused. You still would take features and ask your customers, which feature do you like? And your customers have no idea what these features are supposed to do. Of course. And and then I ran a couple of Silicon Valley startups that, you know, had Sand Hill Road investors, and you know, they'd invested in like very, very successful companies. I'm thinking, oh, these guys have the secret sauce. So I'm gonna learn here and all this secret sauce and of course they didn't have anything either um and that so that really got me frustrated and clay had had become very famous about disruption which your listeners probably you know remember but he really then was focused on jobs to be done and that got me really intrigued so 10 years ago i started working uh full-time just in job sudan working with companies helping them figure out this method and then uh eight years ago i started the company because i realized um we really need to build a tool to help companies do this it's a as mm -hmm. i said you know it's a lot of data it's coordinating teams trying to get everybody to agree and software is just very very good at that and that's why we started thrive and that's kind of been our mission since our founding is really help companies succeed with jobs to be done. It's great in theory, <laughs> you know. It definitely it makes a ton of sense. You know, it's, you explain the theory to anybody, it just make it's very logical. But yeah. to put it into practice is a whole different ballgame. And it, it I always use you know music metaphors. It's like we invented this electric guitar, and then we have to teach people music theory, uh, but they really want to play songs. <laughs> so our our system helps them get to the songwriting and song playing faster. I love it. That's awesome. That's fantastic. So I want to understand, just so we can share with other software founders who are building their companies, what would you say are some of the early mistakes that you wish you'd known about back then and had avoided? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I think some of the mistakes uh, were thinking of job speed and work as a project that was going to be done at a company. Mm -hmm. And a lot of companies really do look at these kind of projects and they're like, okay, well, we need to do a job seat done project or let's do a design sprint or let's do, um, you know, some sort of market analysis. And, it, and it's, a, it's a project. So it has kind of this beginning and end. Mm -hmm. And what we realized in order to help companies succeed with this, it's a process. It's an ongoing process, and that adoption is is especially for your listeners who are in B two B markets. They know this well. You know, companies do not change easily. <laughs> they, mm. it's it's the bigger the, the harder. Yeah, it's you know turning a tanker that kind of metaphor that everybody uses, yeah. and it's true. It's true because it's very very hard to do. Um, and I think we, those were one of our mistakes is we were, we were kind of project oriented, but now we've really helped companies adopt it as a process because it's an ongoing thing. The beauty is your customer's job uh, does not change, right? The job of getting to a destination on time or creating little music is never going to change. It's been the same, you know, since the beginning of humanity. Um, yep. But, uh, but markets change a lot. There's new competitors that enter the market. 
There's merger activities where you know competitors combine with each other or get bought up. There's there's crazy externalities like a global pandemic. Um, there are new technologies that can change the way things get done. There can be new regulations that happen in markets. You know, there's all sorts of external things that happen. So by adopting it as a process, then you've got this pulse on what's happening in the market, and you can evaluate it against your customer's job. So. A good example of this is with thermostats. You know, a, a new startup called Nest entered the market, and uh, thermostat companies were selling thirty dollars thermostats to general contractors. That's the way the market sure. worked, and they were they were looking at it saying, "Ah, this Nest thing. Who's going to buy a two hundred and fifty dollars thermostat? We sell ours for thirty dollars." And of course, Nest entirely changed the market to a consumer electronics market because they targeted the real customer, the homeowner, rather than mm -hmm. you know HVAC contractors. So that's a good example of where things change and you need to be able to analyze that pretty quickly. You need to be able to say, is Nest getting the job done of achieving comfort in my home? Which is, you know, obviously no one wants a thermostat. They want to achieve comfort in their home. Yep. So are they doing that? Are they satisfying unmet needs in that job better than us today? And are people willing to pay for that? Turns out the answer was yes. Right. It was very obviously Nest was very, Clearly, very successful yeah. and changed the market. Yep. That's really a cool story. I love it. So what advice would you have for other staff software founders who are starting out? What things have gone well that you think other people should model? Yeah, I would uh, for startup founders, I always give them a few pieces of advice. The one is generate revenue and profitability way sooner than you think you should. Um, the, I, I think one of the problems we have and the reason that so many startups fail is the capital markets have been very, very, uh, open and active for a long time now, certainly uh, through since the, you know, dot-com bust, which I went through. Right. And, uh, and that, that'll change. They, the capital markets will close again. So, and, but I think what happens is they think raising the next round is a goal. That's not a goal. The goal is revenue and profitability. My favorite business school professor used to always tell me, you know, companies all fail for the exact same reason. They fail because they run out of cash. <laughs> That's it. Yep. And so as an entrepreneur, be focused on revenue and profitability. Now, it might mean that you need to do things that don't look like your long-term path to scale uh, and and sustainability, but get that revenue, go get revenue. There's nothing like trying to get revenue from customers that just, that is where the rubber meets the road. So generate revenue and profitability way sooner and always protect your cash. And if you're profitable, you're generating cash and you're not burning it. Burn rate are the two worst words for an entrepreneur. Your goal is to get rid of a burn rate. It's to grow. <laughs> so uh, that, would, that would be my, my big piece of advice. It's fantastic. I mean, cash is king. It's your oxygen. It's what helps fuel your growth. It's everything. So I absolutely agree. And that's one of the th reasons people work with me is you want to grow revenue to get it bigger, get it better. Something I've believed in for a long time. I love hearing you say that, Jay. Very, very cool. Well, this has been great. I've enjoyed hearing this. This is awesome. I've learned a lot. This jobs to be done mindset. And that really is the way I think of it is you got to think of what your customer needs. You got to know your customer. You got to understand them and you got to deliver what they're looking for. Fantastic stuff you've been delivering for us, Jay. How can our audience learn more about you and Thrive? 
Yeah, sure. Um, anybody can reach out to us at thrv.com. That's Thrive Without the Vowels. Uh, we have a free course on all this stuff, so you can sign up and take our free course. You know, We have an oh, ebook sweet. on it and cheat sheet and a whole bunch of other stuff, which you can just access at our website. We have a you know YouTube channel that has got a lot of training videos on it too. Uh, and I'm pretty reachable. I'm Jay Haynes um, on LinkedIn and Twitter, so um, most I'm pretty easy to find. So feel free to reach out. Okay, perfect. I love it, Jay. And for everybody out there, we'll put that in the notes. We'll put it in the comments down below and, uh, or the description down below on YouTube so that you can access that really quickly. But definitely take a look. I love that free course idea. That sounds awesome because this is something that's really, really critical if you're trying to grow a company, whether it's a software company or anything else, understanding that jobs to be done is really, really important. So Jay, thank you so much for coming on the show. Matt, thanks for having me. Great to be here. Absolutely. It's glad having you. I'm glad having you. It's great having you. Wow. This was fun. Love it. Hope you enjoyed it. Make sure you're subscribing to the show. We have really cool innovators like Jay coming on the show every single week. So make sure you hit that subscribe button and also give us a like, give us comments. If there's anything that you're thinking that you'd like to see or anything about each episode, go ahead and comment down below. We'll make sure we answer those for you. Thank you so much for coming and we will see you next time. Take care. Thank you.